Amen. If you take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, it is an honor to stand before you tonight and to preach the Word of God. And God's Word is always good, and it's always needed in our lives. And my message tonight is very simple. I just want to give a, a simple challenge that comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. We'll start reading in verse 13 and read down to verse 17 as we begin. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we don't trust in our own understanding tonight, but we trust in your words Lord, your word is powerful, and it will accomplish what it is sent to do. Lord, we, we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate your word to us tonight, that we would receive the meaning that you have for us, the meaning that you have given, and that you would help us to apply it to our lives, Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The challenge tonight is simply found in these three words in verse 14, but continue thou. I've been thinking of this very often, or I've been thinking of this often recently, that we are surrounded by examples of faithful men. And God would have us to continue in the things that we've learned. We are surrounded by the witness, the faithful witness of Scripture, and God would have us to continue in that witness, to continue to lift up His Word our ministry in Thailand is not a ministry that is based upon our ability, upon an, our knowledge, based upon anything that we have that is special. It's based upon the Word of God, and it's based upon the power of God changing lives. And that is what makes it exciting, because I know that we cannot do this work ourselves. It is impossible for me to lead a Buddhist person to Christ through my persuasion, through my understanding, even through my verbiage, I, I still at times feel like I speak the Thai language like a six-year-old. And you consider a six-year-old trying to try to persuade someone who has already grown up in their language and their culture and to persuade them to change what they've known their whole life. You know, it could be comical, but, but the Word of God is powerful. And we see here that there are two realities in the Christian life that Chapter number three reminds us of, and when we think about verse 13, I'm just going to back up from our challenge. One verse, it says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, there's a reality in life that evil men and seducers will grow worse. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm surprised. I'm away from the U.S. for a few years, and I come back, and it's like a shock when you catch up with all the, the political memes and the, the thoughts that people are believing and basing their lives on. Yes. You, you share the gospel with them and you find that they're, they're trusting in 
some do-it-yourself religion that's really the same thing, just reheated over and over again. That there's something that I can do, you know, this is their thought, there's something that I can do to replace the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, you know, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, and we shouldn't be surprised by that because the Bible states it as a, as a fact. But it is, it is somewhat shocking to see it over and over again. And the other reality in life, if we back up another verse, in verse 12 it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The two realities in the Christian life is, number one, that persecution will always follow the believer. And number two, evil and evil men will increase. So you can mark it down. It will happen. Things will get worse. And the challenge for us as believers, though, is found in verse 14, but continue thou. And what should we continue in? See, this challenge was given by the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, to Timothy. And he's very specific in the charge that he gives. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And to be more specific, these things that Timothy learned, we read about in verse 15. It says, and that from a holy, and the, excuse me, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So these things that Timothy learned were things that he learned from the word of God. They were the faithful words of the word of God. And the apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to be faithful to continue in these things. But also, he, he instructs Timothy, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Now, this is a valuable part of this instruction, this charge. The things that Timothy learned, instruction from the Word of God, but these were also things that he was assured of. That means that he was confident that he could trust these things by his own experience. How could Timothy trust the commands of God he could trust them because he had applied these commands. He had obeyed these commands in his life. And he could trust them because he also saw the example of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul's obedience to the Word of God. This assurance that comes from the Scriptures and is, is an assurance that is taking the Word of God, the teaching of the Bible, and it's, it's mixing it together, it's matching it to our experience. And when we do that, we are being faithful not only to the words of God, but we are, we are being faithful to the experience of applying the word of God to our lives. And we see that in these days, these perilous times, you know, it says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. And I skipped this thought, but that's described in verse number one of chapter three. It says, this know also that in these last days, perilous times shall come. You know, that, that word perilous, it means violent. You know, these are violent days that we live in. And I picture it like being in the middle of a storm and the wind is violently tearing things apart. And that picture, that wind is the winds of deception, trying to, to move us away from the sure foothold of the Word of God. And you know, all around us, we have people that are crying out for what they are holding to as a belief, but this belief is not anchored on truth. It is a belief that is anchored in selfishness. Because where do these, where do the violent winds of deception come from? We see that in verse number two, they stem 
the source of all of this is selfishness in the heart of men. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And I was thinking about this, that not only do we see the source of these perilous, deceptive times being in the, the selfish heart of man, but we also see that this selfishness is also connected in with a self-righteousness. And really, the, the biggest thing that we struggle with in ministry anywhere in the world, and I say we as in all of us as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we struggle with the heart that says, I can find another way to be right with God that is contrary to the Word of God. It's a do-it-yourself self-centered religion. And that's where all this violent, all this violence and deception comes from. It, it comes from a heart that will not have God's word to be over them, will not submit itself to God's word. That's what we see here in verse number four and five. It says, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So these people that is, are being described, they are people that are self-centered and people that are self-righteous. Because it says that they have a form of godliness in verse 5, but having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. And people ask me all the time, they say, Brother Nat, when you minister in a Buddhist land, what is one of the challenges that you have in sharing the gospel with a Buddhist? And I say, really, the greatest challenge is not Buddhism. If someone is following after the Buddhist religion, and they are really sincere in following after that religion. They're usually open to talking about religion, and they're open to talking about a need of finding some sort of escape from sin, and they, they understand there's, there's a need for that. But really the hardest heart that we run into are those that say, I don't need religion. I don't need anything. I'm my own, I have my own way. No, thank you. It's a self-centered, self-righteous person. That's the hardest person to reach anywhere. And that's what we see here, that our command as believers, if, if all of the violence and deception in this world could be traced back to self-centered, self-righteous, the self-centered, self-righteous, sinful nature that is inside each one of us, as believers, what is our instruction? Our instruction, again, is found in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. See, the selfish heart, does not continue in the Word of God. The self-righteous heart does not submit itself to the Word of God. It says, I know better than God. I have another way. No, thank you. But the submitted heart of the believer says, I will continue in the things that I've learned. And this command to continue in the things thou hast learned and been assured of, it says, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And I was thinking about this, that assurance confidence to follow the Word of God is increased when we have godly examples around us. We all experience that, especially in the context of the church, that we can fellowship together as believers, and we can encourage each other when we come together to listen to the the teaching and preaching of God's Word, to obey God's Word, to encourage and sharpen one another here and there. And, you know, I appreciate so much on the mission field, I appreciate the testimony of men and the testimony of other preachers and missionaries that have sharpened me, continue to sharpen me 
and that I can look to as faithful believers the help to give that, that knowledge of the truth and be able to mix the knowledge of the truth with the example of obedience. And Timothy, he had the scriptures. It says, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then again, verse 16 and 17, chapter 3, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Wow, there's so much in these verses. But we think about the working of the Word of God in our lives. And God has given us all Scripture, and it's all God-breathed words. That's what that word inspiration. You know, I hold in my hands a Bible, and these words are not just any words. They're God-breathed words. They're powerful words. And we have seen the words of God change the hardest heart and be able to direct them to learn, to listen and to learn of Jesus Christ and to come to that point of salvation, to go from that point of salvation to grow and to be more like Jesus Christ. And that's the working of the Word of God. It's not the working of Nat Williams. It's not the working of men. It's the working of God. And we rejoice in that because that is not the natural direction of this world, right? We're living in a world that's being torn apart by deception, and yet the words of God are faithfully cutting through the lies and the deception of this world. They cut through the lies and the deception of every religion and every culture and every language, every group of people out there, if they will just submit themselves to listen and, and to obey the Word of God. And that's why as believers it is so important for us to continue in the Word of God, continue to uphold the faithful words of God, and to continue to be that faithful example of following the Word of God, because this is what the Word of God will do in our lives. Instead of being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for teaching. That means it's going to teach us the right path. It is profitable for reproof, to teach us when we've strayed from the right path, for correction, to teach us how to get back on the right path, and for instruction in righteousness. How, how can we stay right with God? How can we stay on the right path? That the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I love that picture the Apostle Paul is painting here because we think of it like a room that is furnished, that the, the soul, the, the mind, and the will, and the emotions of a believer are completed through the words of God. Like this room here, we, we're in a beautiful room tonight and we have chairs to sit on, we have nice lighting, we have comfort settings with air conditioning and heating. That's a real blessing. And I was grateful when we moved into a new church building, but I was reminded that when you move into a concrete structure, um, the sound could be very live, right? You know, if you have one child running through the back of the auditorium, suddenly everything stops because everyone hears the child more than anything else. But when you furnish a room like that, what happens? The sound starts to lower and it doesn't bounce all over the place. And we say we, we take a live room and we deaden the sound by adding furniture. Now, when we think of the Christian life, I just want you to think about a mind and the will and the decision-making in your life, in your thoughts, 
and your emotions and your decision making. And let me remind you that the Word of God is given to complete and to furnish each one of those areas of your life. Instead of having a, for example, instead of having thinking that is just wide open Mm. and just wondering, what is the truth? Where do I turn? I I don't know what to believe in this world because now everything is, I, I don't know who to trust. The Word of God gives direction and it furnishes your thinking. It helps you to focus in, right? It gives you real tangible things to hold on to, real like handles of thought and truths that you can stand upon and that you can teach to others. The Word of God gives you furnishings in your emotions that, you know, on days where you wake up in the morning and you just don't know how to feel, you know, that's probably all of us when we first wake up in the morning. How do I feel today? I don't feel very good. My body's not feeling well. But the Word of God teaches our minds how to overcome our emotions yeah. and how to direct our emotions. It furnishes these, these aspects of our soul. And also in our decision-making, the Word of God will furnish, will add, it will complete your decision-making by giving you real, tangible experiences of trusting God. You know, when I was younger, there are many times where I would read a promise of God and I would wonder, you know, how could that be true in my life? And I would just wait. It was like I was in this waiting game with God. Okay, God, would you show me that this principle is true? What does God say? God says, if you will do what I say, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be true. You know, if If I will do what God says, I will have the experience of faith to know what God says is right. And not just right in general, but to know it's right for me. And that's what we see that in this this verse that I'm sure all of us know. Let me encourage us again that we would think of God's word the way God describes it. That God's word is powerful. It's given that it would perfect us, that it would furnish us to all good works. And really my challenge tonight is simple, and that is that we as believers need to continue in the Word of God. And you say, Brother, now that's such a simple thought. I know that. I know I need to continue in the Word of God. But what does that look like to continue in the Word of God? Let's, let's close tonight. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now this is a verse that I want to challenge you to consider this week and to meditate upon because this verse is always a challenge to me when I read it and to think about its practical application. Colossians 3.16, you may have it memorized. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And we should pair verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now think about verse 16, would you? It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. We've been talking about a room that's furnished, using that as an illustration of how the word of God will furnish our mind and our will and our emotions. And we think about how the word of God We need to submit to the Word of God and let the words of God dwell in us and dwell in us richly. That means that we would give the Word of God free authority or give it um, 
full authority is the best way to say it, in every part of our life. Just as if we were to have a guest come and stay with us and we would give them VIP treatment, just like the Evans are gracious to host us and they, they really make us feel like family. I appreciate them. And just to, to allow, allow the Word of God to be living and to have free course in every part of your lives. And it says, when that happens, when the Word of Christ dwells in you richly and in all wisdom, it's meaning that we would value the Word of God as the wisdom that we need for every part of our life. Let it dwell. And it says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I was thinking about that. When we allow the Word of God to live in us, then that means that we are applying it to our lives to the point that we're able to share what God is teaching us with others. And this is probably one of the most powerful things in a church to see every member learning from the Word of God and sharing from the Word of God. That doesn't mean that every member needs to have equal time to come up to the pulpit and say, okay, this week this is what I learned. But what it means is when we get together, that we're encouraging one another with what God is doing inside of us through his words. To be able to say, you know, this is what I'm learning this week from the Word of God. Let me share that with you. And it says that even this this sharing of the Word of God can manifest itself in different ways, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's an expression of praise to God. When God is at work in you through his Word, the natural result is praise. And You know, I could go on and on, but I just want to challenge you. Think about this verse this week, letting the Word of God dwell in you, and then think of that challenge to continue in the Word of God. Despite these perilous days, despite the deception of this world that's getting worse and worse, would you continue in the Word of God? Would you continue to be a faithful follower and lift up the Word of God and let God's Word teach and admonish you so that you would be ready to teach and admonish others. And specifically as a church, Metropolitan Baptist Church, we appreciate your love and support of us as missionaries. And I just want to thank you. I want to encourage you to continue to hold up the Word of God because God, God's Word is powerful and God's Amen. Word will accomplish Amen. what it's needed. We're praying for you all. Thank you. Pastor Hudson. Anybody have a word before we dismiss? I'm glad to be here with you. I pray that I ask you to just pray about the services tomorrow. I do to honor the Lord and exalt the name of the Savior. Brother Zyner, would you come dismiss us? You need to speak in this mic so it'll go out over the Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful time that we've had this evening and fellowship and singing and uh, communicating, getting to know new friends and, and renewing old acquaintances. And Lord, it's been a sweet time. Lord, we've been encouraged and challenged by
the presentation of what's taking place in Thailand and the great need there on that border and then over into Myanmar. And uh, Lord, we, we stand here and we sit here thinking about that, but in reality, those folks are living it every single day. And one day they will die and go out into eternity. And so, Father, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you've called us, you've called your church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God, help us. And where there are closed doors, Lord, help us to fall down before you, begging and asking that you would open doors in your time to help us to get into these places. Now, Father, I just thank you for the word that we heard tonight. We were challenged with that. We were not just challenged, I was convicted. And uh, Lord, I thank you for that. And now, Lord, help us to take these things and hide them in our hearts, in our minds. Father, every day to keep our focus on you. Lord, I pray that you would be that you would receive honor and glory tomorrow at the funeral service. And Lord, as we give tribute to one of your choice servants that uh, by no means is perfect, and he, is, he told us that many, many times, but yet he had a love for you, and he wanted to serve you. And so, God, I pray that if there's someone there that's not saved, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Be with the message, the, the singing, and all that's done, that it would uplift your name. And that's what it's all about. It's all about you, God. So God, help us now. And we love you. In Jesus' name I pray.